We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to the Rotoviz Baseball Podcast on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And today I am joined by one of the Rotoviz writers, a very special guest on today's show. It is Michael Dubner, who you can follow at Dubner underscore Michael on Twitter. He is the featured fantasy football analyst at rotoviz.com. And one of his recent pieces really caught my eye. So I thought that we would get him on. Perfect opportunity to get him on the best ball show to talk about when you should be drafting these best ball teams in tournaments to try and become a best ball champion and last year michael i came in second place second place was sean siegel and blair andrews to our very own connor o'driscoll this year i want to go one step better so i want every edge that i can get to get one of those top place finishes so we're trying to figure out when the optimal time to do that is so we're going to talk about that on today's show but the first thing i have to do is welcome you to the podcast so michael how are you doing today I'm doing very good. Thanks for having me on, Colm. You know, this is certainly my favorite time of the fantasy football offseason as I just, you know, I feel the best ball energy picking up more and more each and every week. And there's still just so much to uncover about how we should be attacking drafts this year. And so I think that kind of exploration is my favorite part of the offseason. And as you kind of alluded to, um, you know, for anyone that's been reading Rotoviz the past couple of years, they're certainly familiar with my annual optimal draft month article that I've done each of the last four years. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're new to this concept though of, of draft month, that's okay too, because this year we have some exciting findings that are new compared to previous years. Yeah, I think it's, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the article, but I think anytime I can get to pick the brain of the person who wrote it, and that's one of the advantages of doing the podcast with Sean, for example, you get to just ask the questions you're thinking of that maybe the readers are thinking of. So hopefully we get some more uh, intriguing insights there. You mentioned that you've done this for the last couple of years and the optimal side of it. I think what's so much fun now is like we've had best ball tournaments over those years, and we've obviously had normal best ball leagues as well, but this year it has really exploded and you know we were doing the never too early drafts and the the rookie drafts uh, before the nfl draft now we're past the nfl draft and we've got so much to dive into so maybe people are you know i'm, I'm getting some dms i'm getting some tweets about you know i'm going to try best ball this year but i'm going to wait to august or i'm going to wait to june to start jumping in your piece uh, is it given a, a different time to be diving into these uh, for the people that might be thinking about waiting well, we'll certainly see, you know, I think in past years, we've 
um, kind of discuss the importance of drafting late in the offseason. So uh, we'll see in the findings here, I'll, I'll allude to it, that drafting early might have some advantages too. Well, let's not beat about the bush. Let's jump. Let's jump into. Don't. We'll we'll give teasers throughout the show, but let's not tease too much. But what are some of the things that uh, we'll go first of the best time to draft? Then we'll dive into maybe why those things do matter. But when are you recommend that we jump into these leagues? No, I I think that the idea of a barbell approach to draft month um, is how I plan on attacking drafts and barbell meaning you know, weighted on one side, weighted on the other, but kind of nothing in between. So I plan on tackling the drafts very early, right when they were released in May. Um, and then once when we kind of get into those June and July months, I'll uh, decrease the amount of drafts I'm doing in these big tournaments that are filling it throughout the entire off season. Um, and then when we come back in August, um, we'll be in September, we're going to be drafting heavily again. But, you know, in those June and July months when you're not drafting and say the best ball mania three, that doesn't mean we're not playing best ball, but we're going to be uh, drafting in the other smaller tournaments that are going to be popping up throughout the offseason, such as the puppy, which are traditionally filled in such as a week time frame. So in those drafts, the draft month doesn't matter quite as much um, because they're all filled so quickly. But these tournaments that are filled, huge tournaments with a ton of entries that take the entire offseason to fill those are the tournaments we have to be thinking about draft month and those are the ones where a barbell approach seems optimal yeah and i think we're seeing that being talked about a little bit on twitter over the last week or so since you released this article so i think like people are people who are sharp and, and thinking that way are, are really trying to see how they approach it obviously there's uh limits to how many you can enter i know some people might be wanting to have one or two entries in some of these tournaments but you know there is max caps some people are going for 150 entries you know it just depends on how you're doing it we are also going to be talking on the next episode about player exposures but this is a perfect time to just give a quick plug to your best ball tracker which is free you can check out mike's twitter to be able to uh see see all the options that but you need to track those player exposures but we will be talking more about that in the next episode of the best ball show but one of the main reasons to be drafting early in the offseason is that inefficient adp we talk about this year on year myself and sean have talked a lot about it on the overtime podcast curtis patrick has some done done some great work on it looking at the rookie picks pre-draft and post-draft and how they increase in value and uh, some of the inefficiencies there at adp is that what you're seeing or is there some other areas that you're seeing the inefficiencies appear yeah you know i think if we kind of take a step back for a moment you know and discuss why draft month actually matters in the first place because i i think that if you're used to a traditional best ball format where you're just competing against the other 11 people in your 12 team league in that case, draft month doesn't matter at all because, like we said, we're all drafting in one draft, competing against each other. We're not competing against people in other drafts. But in these tournaments where you're competing against people drafting throughout the entire offseason, it is possible that draft month and when you specifically are drafting your league matters. And, of course, I, I think that the, uh, you know, our initial belief should be that draft month doesn't matter. It's kind of... Uh, you know, you, you have to prove it to me that draft month does matter, which we do see here. Um, and we'll kind of discuss those reasons why, such as you mentioned, you know, in the early draft, you might see inefficient ADP. Um, but so from like a macro lens, let's first understand that draft month could impact our best ball rosters and our ability to advance in the playoffs to get to the final championship re week and have the upside to actually win a tournament. And so 
like you mentioned, if you're drafting early in the offseason, one of those advantages, and again, uh, if we're taking a barbell approach to draft month, we want to be drafting either very early or very late, but not really in between. And so one of the advantages, uh, you know, theoretical reasons why drafting early is beneficial is because of that inefficient ADP. There's a lot less uh, articles out in the offseason. There's a lot less information available. Um, people haven't really uh, dived into all of the different changing dynamics such as rookies and free agency and how how the entire season has changed from the previous year. And so uh, there can be a lot more inefficient ADP early in the offseason, meaning you're able to get a lot more value. You can get these late round players that become early round picks early in the offseason uh, that's impossible to, to do later in the offseason. And so um, drafting early in the offseason, your, your primary advantage that you're seeking is targeting targeting these players that are going to rise throughout the offseason i think as well like i'll just give a quick plug to the article itself it will be linked in today's show notes but like everything on rotoviz there's a visual element to it and seeing these we're talking about barbells and the reason for that then and the rise and fall in adp and when we're looking at some of the graphics that you've in here and the piece michael it's very obvious to some of those parts the other part i was going to mention is the fact sometimes like you touched on there with the people diving into the rookies and the other information a lot of the time because we're so heavily involved in fantasy football and consuming the content and making content and drafting ourselves sometimes we're like everyone's doing this all year long and i think then we (laughs) sometimes trick ourselves into not thinking that that advantage is there early in the off season so i think that that falls into two and people just want to get in and do some drafts and maybe they don't have the information behind it to back that up anything else on the early side of things that you want to mention before we move on to the late season window no i, I think you know just to give a, an example such as you know sky Moore, wrote of his is you know favorite rookie receiver now in sean's uh sean's chiefs uh Early in the offseason, you were able to get him in probably like the 18th round of best ball drafts. Now I see him going oftentimes in the top 100 picks. So if you wanted your Sky Moore exposure early, uh, uh, you know, in the later rounds, you had to do that early. You can't possibly get him after, you know, the 10th round at this point. Um, so that's like a clear example of some of the value in drafting early in the offseason. And that's you can get these crazy rises in ADP that aren't even injury related such as you know the starting running back getting injured and the the backup spiking adp sometimes you just have players that are just you know frankly mispriced from the beginning and so uh, drafting early lets you take advantage of that yeah you mentioned sky more and i touched on the rookies pre-draft and post-draft but some of the veterans as well particularly at the quarterback position in your article that you've highlighted is Jameis winston and Tua, uh, who have both jumped 45 plus picks over the last pretty much three weeks so um, there is a huge jump in their ADPs but the rookies as well Christian Watson goes up 44 spots and Tyler Algier goes up 42 spots so massive jumps when we're looking at multiple rounds in that ADP so I think uh, definitely an advantage there but we are going to get into some more of the late stuff we're going to do that after this short break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We talked about the early offseason and the advantages what are you, the barbell is what we're going to keep coming back to here so anyone that's into weightlifting or not into weightlifting you have weights at one side you have weights at the other side and then you have a kind of the bar in between so you have a lean spell so i guess you can go whichever way you want here do you want to say the late season advantages or do you want to talk about why there's that lean period in the middle where we're maybe not drafting i think they kind of go hand in hand so let's start off with you know the late off season advantage and, you know, I, I think that while early in the offseason, you have these ADP inefficiencies late in the offseason, if you kind of believe in like the efficient market hypothesis, you know, ADPs start to become pretty efficient late in the offseason. There, there are less, you know, egregious uh, values at that point. And of course, we all have our favorite players that we think are undervalued. But as a general you know, rule, most of the players are you know pretty appropriately priced. But late in the offseason, we do have this information advantage that those drafting early did not have. For example, you could have you know, new injuries pop up or changing depth charts or whatever it might be that you know leads to this kind of information late in the offseason that they, they now have to take advantage of with every single pick. So rather than having these insane ADP values that you, uh, for the late drafters, instead, you get these cumulative small effects of information advantage that really add up over the course of 20 picks. So if, you know, the, the early teams might have that one player that spiked in value, but all of their other picks could have suffered maybe a round loss in, in uh, ADP value. So they have uh, a lot more uh, higher range of outcomes and variance with their picks. While late in the offseason, we have a lot more information to make the best you know, decision with each and every pick. Um, and additionally, in addition to this, you know, information advantage late in the offseason, I think probably, uh, you know, we, we don't want to understate uh, this. It's very important in is who you're actually drafting against. So early in the offseason, it's typically the people who are kind of paying attention all year round. They, uh, they play best ball all year. They might be entering 150 teams. They've been playing best ball for five or seven years at this point. They're very familiar with player archetypes and roster construction and all of the lessons that make a good best ball player. Late in the offseason, though, on the other hand, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're still going to be playing against the, these uh, sharp drafters, but you have a much more high, higher likelihood of playing against these drafters who just pop in for one draft a year. They kind of don't even know the diff difference between traditional re redraft home season long leagues versus best ball leagues. So you see a lot more casual drafters. Some might even call them fish. Or our PPR versus half point PPR, for example, you know, the scoring set. And so there's lots of uh, little edges there. Yeah. So certainly, you know, late in the off season, besides the information advantage, I think perhaps more important is just the opponents you're drafting against um, and how, how uh, there are a lot weaker competition 
uh, late in the offseason, which allows you to build some of these super teams as well. That, you know, early in the offseason, you might get these super teams from ADP risers, while late in the offseason, you can get super teams just because your opponents are making so many mistakes that it allows you to, you know, capitalize each and every round. Yeah, and we talk a lot, obviously, on rotoviz.com on the articles and on the podcast about the structure and the those elements. And I think that, like you're touching there, some people might get lucky with those early picks, you know, one, two, three rounds in. But, you know, that structure then is probably going to fall apart after that point. So there is lots of edges. The next question I was going to bring up, and you have this in the article, is kind of, it's a barbell approach, but is it, you know, 40%, 20%, then 40% again, you know, come August? Or is it like, how are you splitting your kind of cash flow or your, your bankroll throughout that time to, to get those drafts in? Yeah, you know, I think mapping out how many drafts you're actually going to do each month is really important. Because if you do plan on max entering the contest, you only have a maximum of 150 teams that you can enter into a tournament. Once when you hit 150, you, you can't kind of, uh, redo it and you know redistribute your your teams and it's also a lot of money you're putting almost four thousand dollars into a best ball contest where you're not going to see results for at least four or five months so at least have a plan of how you're going to enter it um, I think ultimately you know with this type of barbell approach I plan on putting in a lot of entries early in the first you know it, right when it was released in May right now we're about mid-May so we have another two weeks or so for the barbell then I t plan on taking a break in the summer. Um, I'll still draft, you know, a couple of teams a month, maybe once a week or something. But that's when I really plan on entering the other tournaments, which I do expect a puppy or some other variation of that in, in the other platforms as well, besides underdog. You know, you have drafters, you have DraftKings, you have FFPC. You have a lot of different options where they're going to probably be releasing smaller tournaments that fail a lot quicker. So in June and July, we're not just taking a break from best ball. We're just going to be entering the smaller tournaments. And then come August is when we kind of ramp up our, our uh, drafting again in the bigger tournaments. So the way I have it mapped out in the article, as you can see, is um, you know about 18% of drafts in early May, which would be about 27 drafts, which is a lot. That's 27 drafts in two weeks. That's about two drafts a day. So especially if you're doing slow drafts and a combination of fast drafts, it can certainly be a lot. Um, and then another about 16% in late May, which is 24 drafts taking a break in June and July, doing about maybe five drafts a month. And then come August and September, we're doing about 25 drafts again per two weeks, which is, again, that's two drafts a week, which is a lot. Colm, do you think this is a realistic number to achieve if you're only doing fast drafts, not slow drafts? Do you think to only do four drafts in a month? Or <laughs> do you think to do the, uh, the, the, four, or the 51 that you recommend through May? Uh, I think the sometimes the lesser number can be harder, but when you're trying to hit, you know, one to one point, I know you can't do 1.3 drafts in a day, but some of those days you'll do two drafts, some day you'll do one draft, some day you'll do none. That, that can take a toll throughout a month. That is a lot of drafting to get in there. And some people might be listening and being like, I'm never going to max enter. I'm not going to do 150 lineups. And that means that, you know, let's say you decide I'm going to do 15 lineups. I would still be going with the same similar percentages and having that a little bit leaner in the middle, just make the number of drafts versus your kind of bankroller versus the number you're going to do. Like you were saying, Michael, one of the things you can do is get like a little bit of fever at the start and be like, I'm just going to hammer this and let's do 20 drafts. And then you get to August and you're like, I, I have no funds left to do this. You have to plan it out. It's the same as anyone who's 
planning to bet all season long or play fantasy football or like myself or yourself who are doing these drafts then i'm thinking about like the ffpc main event which is 1900 dollars to plan you have to plan this ahead because if you're drafting in may not thinking about what you need to do in august you're going to end up that you're going to have to get like a second mortgage on your house or something like that so you need to plan these ahead always as well the key is to do it within your limits and make sure you're kind of planning ahead for that uh, reasoning as well but 150 drafts is a lot but I think the discipline throughout, and you mentioned like a tournament the size of the uh, best ball mini tree, you know, that may not fill until August, you know, it might come down to the end. There might be some overlay, whereas some of the tournaments, there's going to be, you know, a lot less entrance. If you're playing the FFPC, the numbers are reduced significantly, but the cost of entry is much higher, but it is a case of, you know, maybe pivoting to some of those other tournaments during that time. So you don't want to miss out. You don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to wait to August to draft in this tournament. And then in like, you know, late July, you're like, well, that that's sold out. There's, there's no more entries available. But the other part that you have in it is the advance rates for the Best Ball Mania 2, which was last year, to advance from the playoffs to the semifinals and the finals and if we look at early and late may um both of them are above 1.10 advanced rates um both advancing pretty positively towards the finals throughout early june june late uh june july uh, and so on all sub one and then when we get into august um late august and early september all then above one again so strong again the evidence showing what we've discussed already that that early and late approach is proven beneficial over the last couple of seasons anything else that you want to add in in terms of that overall advance rate yeah you know the the numbers you were kind of just giving to give people a a visual of it it's kind of like a a u-shaped uh graph where when you have draft month on the x-axis and you have advance rates on the y-axis it's a U-shape in that early in the draft offseason in, in May, you have high advance rates. Then they kind of dip down into negative advance rates. And then they come back up once when you get into August and September, you get positive advance rates. So it's kind of that U-shaped curve, which is why we call it also a barbell approach, because you should be drafting a lot early, not drafting during the, the bottom of the U, and then draft again at the top of the U late in the offseason. One of my favorite things that you've done in this article too is the excellent uh, you know work that you've done in the the graphic where you've written good on one side of the graph and bad on the other side. Uh, I really enjoyed the the artistic impression that went into that. Yeah, I certainly was not an art major in college, but this is my best shot at it. Yeah, so no, that, that, I enjoyed that. But when we're getting to the end of this, obviously we're talking about that overall approach of kind of planning out, even if you're not exactly sticking to the barbell method or maybe as i said you're doing less drafts but it is about thinking about the optimal times to draft and how to draft and even if it's just that part that i mentioned about planning your bankroll for when you're going to draft you know you want this to be fun but you also want it to be um, financially stable for yourself but hopefully at the end of the season because you're taking the advice that michael has here and we're following that barbell approach that's leading to you cashing out with some big prizes at the end of the season but as we get ready to close off today's show michael um, anything that we haven't touched on there that you think is is vital for the the listeners i think that you just bring up really good points about the importance and you know it's not a sexy topic but just understanding your bankroll management and you know, just mapping it out beforehand, because if you're going to put this much financial investment into, um, into best ball, you should really just at least have a plan and general understanding of what your strategy is. So, you know, what I would plan to do is 
know, before I start drafting, I think about how much money do I want to put into all of my best ball drafts throughout the entire off season. Say, let's just make up a whole random number. And I know it's a lot, but let's just say it's uh, $5,000. Well, so maybe I want, you know, 50% of that to be in the big best ball mania three tournament. So that's $2,500. Um, and the other 50% is just, you know, it goes to the puppies and the other small drafts and the other platforms. So if I have $2,500 that I want to put into Best Ball Mania 3, well, first of all, you have to recognize that you can't max enter the contest. You're going to get to, uh, what is that, like a 100 drafts and 150 drafts or whatever it might be. So if I'm going to be doing 100 drafts throughout the offseason, I would go to the chart that we have in the article here and I do... 100 times 18%. So I'm going to do 18 drafts in early May. I'm going to do 16 drafts in late May and on and on. And so you, even if you're not max entering the contest, you can, you should still map out how many drafts you plan to do and when you plan to do them. So that way you do stay within your means and you don't end up accidentally, accidentally max entering a contest that you didn't want to max enter and put a lot more financial investment in it. Or you might also realize that you didn't draft as much as you wanted to, and that's not fun either. So at the end of the day, we're trying to stay within our means, but also give us the best chance to win a million dollars. The other thing to take away as well, and you just brought something up that jogged my mind, is the reason as well that we don't just lean out and stop drafting altogether is I think for people who maybe haven't drafted at this time of the year before, or waited all the way through to August to start drafting, you get such an advantage of knowing the ADPs and how they move. So if you're drafting, like I've been drafting since February, you move that on through, you know now where the spots are in drafts, where the edges are and where the value might be a little bit softer. Then we move through and you keep that kind of going. It's kind of like, you know, keeping the muscle fibers. Uh, if you're if you're going to the gym, keep them going over, get those mental reps in for those drafts. And then when it comes to August, you're really in uh, top, top form as well. Whereas some people will be coming in They'll be coming in cold, like you mentioned, in August and not have that same upside. So, yeah, uh, lots of good information there from Michael. As I mentioned already, this article will be linked in today's show notes. You can also follow Michael on Twitter as well at Dubner underscore Michael. Dubner is spelled D-U-B-N-E-R. And uh, we will have everything linked in today's show notes. We'll be coming back with another episode about player exposure. So make sure you are subscribed to the Rotoviz Best Ball podcast feed. As always, you can get a 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass with the code RVRadio2022. That gets you access to all of the content like we talked about today with Michael. It'll also get us access to all of the tools and articles up on site to help you with the optimal draft strategies and information for draft season as we well draft season never stops for us really but uh whenever you are doing your drafts but until we're back with another show as always have a good one